This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Today we're going to talk about one of the most promising driver lineups in Formula One, that of McLaren. A couple of reasons I thought it might make a nice chit-chat today. They hit 500 podiums over the Qatar Grand Prix weekend, the second time a team has done that behind Ferrari. Also, last time we saw two consecutive McLaren podiums, uh, Autosport's brilliant social team put up a, they found the pictures of Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button smiling on the podium. So as a reminder how long it has been and to have a discussion about their current driver lineup and whether they should hang on to that, whether they finally struck gold, is our Grand Prix editor, Alex Kalanorkas, and our Formula One reporter, Jake Boxall. Like, chaps, welcome along. Thank you for jumping on for a quick chit-chat about where McLaren are. Now, this is absolutely, unapologetically, recency bias on my part. But I'm just interested in... Because they've had a great couple of races, and before that, yeah, Ferrari were on the ascendancy, but... But go with me on this. McLaren are in a rich vein of form right now and the momentum's with them. And it seems to be a good driver lineup. Alex, I'll come to you first. Uh, What do you think about the 2023 that both drivers have had so far? Yeah, I think from Oscar Piastri's point of view, it's an unqualified success. I think that there's no other way of looking at it. He's he's won a Formula One race in his first season. Um, You know, he's performed magnificently he's beaten Lando Norris at Suzuka of all places in qualifying by a nice uh, a nice margin there you know that it, uh, that is the real driver's track isn't it it's where you're gonna really sort of uh, sort the, the the great drivers from from the not so great drivers and and to have done that I think in his first season is tremendously impressive and then you know you get into the sort of the the cool head that he's got you know nothing phases him he's doing Fernando Alonso like things in terms of how he's working with the team in terms of cleaning his grid spot ahead of the sprint race in Qatar you know he's just really really switched on and I think that's 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 always that's often that's that's often been said uh, about Oscar he's sort of a an old head on on young shoulders and then from Norris's point of view he's, he's still been an, an excellent campaign there's just been the odd sort of negative moments so for example we think clipping the wall in Q1 in, in Jeddah when the car wasn't very good admittedly but it was still a sort of sloppy error uh, from Nando that we hadn't hadn't really seen before and then yeah the, the Qatar weekend really you know while while Piastri sort of stayed out of trouble generally apart from that one track limits thing in, in Friday qualifying Norris was was rather all over the road he was he was absolutely rapid and I think uh according to someone I spoke to if you if you add together all of the mini sectors or the the the, the, the quickest bits of Norris's lap he would have beaten Verstappen to pole position so 
he's right to say, you know, there were two polls I could have this weekend, potentially two victories. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. He's but he's uh, equally he he still is Lando Norris. He's still an absolutely class act. And again, I go back to Suzuka and the race there. He had Piastri on on tire wear in the race, and 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 that's something that we've said a lot about. If you look at the battle between George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, that. Yeah, Russell can get very close in qualifying, but he's still a step behind when it comes to the long run pace. So, yeah, uh, a tougher season for Lando than maybe he expected. Maybe he would have expected to blow Piastri away, but this is by this is by no means a bad season at all uh, for Lando. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's all coming together at the right time. Piastri's had a really fantastic year, but I think it took him a little bit of time to get going. And I think that's just kind of... You know, race rustiness, um, year on the sidelines, sort of lurking on the Alpine pit wall and, and doing whatever duties was expected of him. You know, that kind of take that kind of uh, dulls your sharpness a little bit. And it does take a while to get back into the cut and thrust of racing because, you know, going out and doing endless lap after lap, that's one thing. And being able to do a hot lap, that's another thing. But being able to manage tyres while in a battle with, you know, uh, 19 other cars on the grid. that, that uh, That's a lot of hard work. Um, the, the new Forza game has just come out. I've been trying to, uh, you know, do a few races online and Jesus, it's hard. Um, it's it's difficult because, you know, you have tyre wear on, you're trying to fight all of these other cars and it's, um, yeah, it's a different, it's a completely different ball game. So to get kind of back up to speed and it's kind of coincided with the McLaren getting a lot stronger with updates and the team understanding where the car's at, trying to improve the aerodynamic performance. Piastri sort of now riding that cr- the crest of that wave um, and uh, Norris is still the stronger driver at this stage in time and his race pace is exemplary. But again, he's, you know, in his fifth season now, uh, he's going to have that experience um, to, to, to cope with that. So this is something that Piastri is going to develop in time. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been, he's been really, really strong, especially since the, the new updates have come online. First of all, let's talk about Lando Norris, strengths and weaknesses. We heard him in Qatar on the radio saying, let me pass, I'm quicker. Matt Q, our colleague, said there was a, a ripple of murmur through the press centre because he clearly he clearly wasn't you know a, a, absolutely quicker than than Piastri. He might have felt that he was, and I felt that whilst that wasn't desperation, that was perhaps a sign that he was needing to exert his place within the team. Which until now, because next time out when they go racing in Austin, people might be listening to this after after the US Grand Prix. Um, uh, it'll be his hundredth. Formula One start. 11 podiums, no win yet. Clearly team leader. But again, with that recency bias, Piastri seems in the ascendancy. Talk to me about what you think about Norris's strengths and weaknesses, Alex. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, the the noise cancelling function on these headphones that I've got must be working tremendously well because I didn't hear a, a murmur go through the media centre. But Matt tends to ha- Matt tends to have his ears open, and I'm sort of concentrating on the on the commentary, which is fair enough. Uh, but yeah, also 100 races for George Russell in Formula One, uh, 100 races for Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. Where has the time gone? That's uh, that's a bit scary, but there we go. Um, yeah, Lando Norris. He's it's really interesting. We're working on a feature at the moment um, looking at 
know, F1 driver styles. And if you, there is a clear difference between Piastri and Norris. And it's, it's really fascinating because you can sort of compare driving styles to drivers of old and even the sort of the more experienced ones in Formula One. And that is that Norris is very like Lewis Hamilton when he's at the wheel of the car. The car is completely alive. It's on edge. You don't, you know, anything could happen at any moment. And, in Norris's case, it, it's devastatingly fast, but there is still the odd error creeping in, for example, those Qatar track limits. And I think that bleeds through to how he is on the radio. I think that, you know, a lot of what went wrong in Sochi 2021 was him sort of, to a certain extent, losing his head because he, it was that situation, didn't know what was what was happening. It was very unpredictable. And he just came across as if he just sort of panicked in the moment. I think obviously we're talking relative things. I mean, if I was in that situation, you know, the whole thing would be on fire, frankly. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it, we are talking about, you know, relative errors on the part of these drivers, right? So, yeah, I think that's still there in Norris's game. Like you hear him talking to the radio, you do wonder why he is quite so sharp with the team sometimes, but that's just sort of the way the way things are. And McLaren explained very well the sort of why, first of all, Norris said, you know, I'm quicker. Why he then said, you know, when explained, like we're going to hold station, he was like, well, I'm quicker. What's the sort? They were like, yeah, we just, we want the drivers to say that to us, which, you know, kind of works. I, I can see the logic there. I can also see the sort of PR spin at play as well. But, um, but at the end, of the day, he complied with the team order. He didn't do a Vettel multi-21 thing. You know, he, 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 he recognised what a good situation this is for McLaren really all their other oppositions sort of out of the race um, other than other than uh, uh, George Russell coming up quickly behind them Fernando Alonso been off the road you know Aston doesn't have another car let's face it and Lewis Hamilton out and, and, and the same with Ferrari you know Charles Leclerc far behind and, and Carlos Sainz of watching not even starting so a sensible call from Lando and, and he can he can make that call he is again he sort of for all this sort of jokey persona he has in the press conference and you see on social media and things like that he's still very very serious operator so yeah it's been it's been I just I just I wonder whether I I basically I think you could detect frustration in him earlier on in the year when he was very frank about how bad the McLaren was and how bad it still would be even with the upgrades that has gone away of late now that they're you know getting regular podiums and and leading the leading the field in qualifying you know apart from Verstappen in the Red Bull so yeah I think he's sort of I wonder whether there's an element of he expected to blow Piastri away and was a little bit shocked that he hasn't, like he had Ricardo easily covered. Um, and then obviously was frustrated with the car. I think you could you could detect that in everything you said to him, both sort of, you know, in front of the TV cameras in the, in the press conferences and away from it. But now things are going well. Typical racing driver, he's, he's a lot happier and he's not making those comments. So yeah, it's, it's interesting for Norris because he's locked into McLaren and at least the good thing is that they have shown progress. You know, I, I honestly, I mean, JBL, maybe, maybe you can think of something, but can you remember an in-season game quite like this from McLaren? It's got to be one of the, one of the best ever. And the pressure is now, can they, can they make another step over the winter? It's a little bit like 2009, isn't it? When they started with that really, really awful car and Hamilton was absolutely nowhere a year after winning the title. And then suddenly, um, I think, you know, he finished, well down the order like p14 or 15 at silverstone that year um a circuit that he's so good at and then the team turned it around and by the end it was a a race winner um i guess it's almost to kind of that magnitude norris has been hugely impressive and the fact that he's able to kind of you know outgun piastri with regards to race pace there are things that you need to do to manage the tires uh you've got to minimize your sliding you don't 
you cannot overload them. You've got to absolutely minimize the steering inputs you put in because uh, otherwise you're generating a whole lot of slip and whole, uh, you know, you're just dragging the tires across the, uh, the, the, the tarmac. So there needs to sort of be certain tenets in the handling of the car, something that, that Norris still isn't 100% happy with. He says, you know, that the, the car is vastly improved in terms of downforce and that kind of thing. It just it just generally feels the same uh, as it did at the start of the season. But he still seems to have a grip on it. And I, I think that's the key thing. And he's just kind of able to, you know, attack the circuit with the car, but do so without putting too much stress on those tyres. And that's how he's able to keep such a sort of strong and, and, and relatively relentless race pace. Um, obviously, you know, it doesn't quite stack to the Max Verstappen doing an entire stint within about every lap within about <laughs> half a second. But he's still able to, to to put those races together. And the fact that I think Qatar showed that, um, being able to just sort of inch closer to Piastri, make the statement, play the team game, because he ultimately is a team player and McLaren is, is his home and has been for a number of years. But I think important for him to make that statement and say, look, Oscar's got this one today, but I'm still here and I'm still you know, at this moment, the better driver. So Norris won his Formula Renault years. He won the championship in F3. And more importantly, he won the McLaren Autosport BRDC Young Driver Award in 2016 after the highlight of his career. Oscar Piastri also won his Formula Renault career and F3 and F2. And Autosport named him Rookie of the Year in 2020. And so let's talk a little bit about Oscar coming in of course uh, he came in in a a blaze of contract glory but uh, alex let me get your thoughts on his strengths and weaknesses and ask you know is oscar piastri the most anticipated rookie to enter formula one in a long time uh i don't think so no i think he's got the same similar record okay yeah he got the formula renault titles that they maybe didn't but leclerc and russell matched him in terms of successive gp3 as was now now f3 um and 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 formula 2 titles so no you know i think it's it, what what that has done from both uh leclerc who had i think before in terms of formula 2 nobody had been a rookie champion since nico hulkenberg in 2009 when again gp2 as was uh, and like that, him doing that, and then Russell following it, and Piastri doing it as well, has rather redefined what a rookie coming into F1 should have done and the level that they should be at. Because it's the same, you know, Pirelli family of tyres. It's the you know you got to show what you're doing in qualifying. You got to be able to manage those tyres in the race. And and frankly, people, for example, like Felipe Drugovic, who took three or four years, or Teo chair if he wins this year. The sort of the momentum is gone. It's like from a Formula One media's point of view, it's a bit, uh, so what? Okay, you're a Formula Two champion. Okay, well, you didn't do it as well as the others. And that momentum is absolutely critical. So no, I don't think Piastri was, I think, I suppose, yes. Okay, Martin, sorry. If, if you, if you, if you take into account the court case and the fact that McLaren were willing to go to court to secure his services, yes, in that, from, from adding all that together, yeah, eagerly anticipated uh, um, uh, a rookie driver, but not from a results point of view, I would have said. But that that said, he has lived up to his billing. There's, there's a few things. Not only were him and Mark Webber proved absolutely right to get out of the Alpine situation, not only with the sort of management implosion, but also, you know, who cares about that car, frankly? It's, it's, it didn't look quick in testing. It doesn't look quick now. Do we believe it's that they're ever going to make it quick? 
come on, there's 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 honestly there's no evidence to say that they will based on what's happened in the in the last you know decade really for that team. So McLaren correctly identified by by Weber and, and the Piastri's as the place to be and and they proved it you know it looked like a risk it looked like one that had backfired at the start of the year but McLaren to be fair to them were open with us and said look just we know the car's bad now it will get better and how we've already covered how it has got better so Piastri in a way had the perfect scenario he came in didn't really matter where he's qualified or finished as long as he was there or thereabouts with Norris, which he was. And, uh, and yeah, he's, 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 he's been able to have the sort of rookie at the back learning period and then suddenly go to the front, which is, which is the ideal situation. It's just in his situation, it's been sort of turbocharged quick, uh, through the course of one season rather than over a couple. So, um, so yeah, fair play to him. He's, he's, he has, he has, you know, done what everybody knew of him in that he has that calm, attitude he's not a Formula One journalist stream he doesn't say anything frankly the the sort of the cool down room and the, the sarcasm after taking that uh, that uh, uh, pole position for the sprint race in in Qatar is the most is the most entertaining I've ever heard him frankly which is fair enough you know he's, he's all about driving he's all about focus and as I said at the beginning he's clearly impressing the team with his sort of now his smartness to do things that Alonso like, you know, Andrea Stella, the team principal, Fernando Alonso's engineer at Ferrari, worked with him at McLaren. He knows the guy really well. He knows Michael Schumacher as well as his performance engineer at Ferrari. So he knows what super talented drivers are. So therefore, it's no coincidence that Stella's willing to compare Piastri to them. Okay, fine. He's the team principal. He's, again, it's the PR game. He's going to pick his driver up. And when uh, one of our colleagues asked him to compare Max Verstappen to Michael Schumacher, he said that, was, uh, that wasn't something he was prepared to do, funnily enough, for another driver from another team. But, you know... It's you. It, it, it you respect Stella from how honest he has been in the media and other places, and so you respect him for his comments there. And I think that really serves Piastri well. Well, I, I can speak a little bit about them both because um, obviously I was working in F two when when Lando was there and, and then got the call up. Um, watching the way that he kind of went about things, um, it wasn't dissimilar. I think out of all of the the, the, the three sort of Brits that that that, that made the step into F1 at the end of that season. Um, I think most people were sort of very surprised how strong Alex Albon was that year. Uh, I think he was probably ultimately probably the better qualifier of the three that year. George was ultimately the champion that season and um, there was like a sort of uh, story that I think it was like a Paul Ricard or something where he hadn't had a particularly good uh, practice session um and qualifying was a bit iffy as well and he kept the engineers sort of like up relatively late into the night trying to work out what went wrong um and the fact that uh, i think the art team at the time sort of said oh you know he, he works us pretty hard and he's a pretty hard taskmaster but ultimately he was the one winning the races for, for the team um and then lando came in um he won the first race in bahrain um and then didn't for some reason, you know, for just endless reasons and not ended up winning another, which I think was probably more of a, a team reflection on the team more than anything. But he was very, very understated as a driver back then. He was very kind of very, very shy. He would have his moments of, you know, comedy, comedic value that he still does now. Um, but he wasn't nearly as outgoing as he uh, was. So I think it took him a little bit of time to get into the sort of swing of F1 and, and build himself up and be, I guess, the person that people needed him to be. I, I get the sense that, that Piastri 
has that introverted streak as well. And I think we've we've kind of seen that in his media answers and that kind of thing. But I don't think that, you know, playing a character necessarily interests him. Um, Lando maybe does it a little bit more because it's sort of just his kind of way of coping, I guess, a little bit. Um, but to watch the two, because Lando was a F3 European Championship champion, um, Piastri was uh, the rebooted F3 champion. Uh, Norris finished second in F2 the following season. Piastri won it. Um, whether you compare the strengths of their competition or not, you know, I think they've had relatively similar climbs through the order. You know, I think they're both fantastic drivers, and I be- think they're both future champions. Let's talk about where this lineup of McLaren drivers exists. I-, I mentioned on the Sunday night podcast after Qatar, he'd seen off other drivers with a smile on his face. Lando's a fierce competitor. I, I think I still stand by uh, that. He didn't really see off Ricardo or see off Sainz, but he, you know, he held his own. They moved on to. Uh, I think he other. saw. I think he saw off Ricardo. I think that's pretty okay. comprehensive. I don't. Yeah, it was a rather stunning defeat. You know, I think it's it, it, Norris beating Ricardo more than anything else did for his time at McLaren. Did for his reputation in Formula One. I think it's going to take a lot to restore Daniel Ricciardo to what we thought of him in 2019, let's put it that way, or 2018, whenever it was he left, uh, left Rebel. So where does this stand in McLaren lineups? It feels like uh, they've had great partnerships. You mentioned Coulthard and uh, Hakkinen, and I mentioned Button and Hamilton together at the team for a good period of time at the beginning of this podcast. It feels like they went through drivers trying to find what suited McLaren. Obviously, there's you know, Alonso famously, but... But Stoffel van Dorn, enormously highly rated, didn't work out there. Kevin Magnussen, very highly rated, didn't work out. Perez, wasn't the right time for him to go to McLaren. Uh, who else kind of came and went? Heike Kovalainen, of course, they were trying to kind of discover uh, that secret formula they had. And it feels like McLaren, perhaps now, could have one of those... And I'm only, that's obviously just recent history, McLaren lineups. Alex, it feels like this could be a lineup for the ages if they keep them together layer in a story that weirdly came from Alex Albon that said oh no uh, Lando's got an offer from Red Bull to go there like I don't know where that where that came from I haven't looked at the the, the history of that story it came in Qatar Grand Prix week um should he go elsewhere should they try and keep that line up together for the long term how does this rate for you Alex in McLaren partnerships disingenuous to say it's Senna and Prost based on you know histories and reputations and, and everything they succeeded because Unfortunately, Norris and Biastri haven't achieved anything yet, especially at, even at McLaren, other than other than Biastri's sprint race win. Um, yeah, it's it, it is interesting. It's it's definitely the best McLaren lineup that they've had since Science left. I mean, I mean Biastri just proved to be a clear upgrade on Ricardo and can cope with what the car demands because Norris is quite open in saying, you know, I still don't like driving it still not what I want out of it. It's still just very, very hard. So that just suggests well, how much better could he be with a car that he was totally like, yeah, can absolutely do this. Uh, whereas, yeah, so so yeah, w- w- one interesting thing, I talked about uh, Lambdo's driving style earlier and we've I've already looked at um, uh, Piastri's as well. His is very calm. It's sort of Jensen Button, one movement on the way in, doesn't really change the, the steering wheel again. And that is actually something that, that Alain Prost did. And I think that, you know, if you look at how Ayrton Senna drove, you look at how Lewis Hamilton drives, you look at how Lando Norris drives, there are parallels there. So since Lewis Hamilton left McLaren when he was racing alongside Jensen Button, the lineups didn't really line up. Maybe I'm doing a disservice to how good Carlos Sainz was at McLaren. So yeah, yeah, tricky to go back a long way in terms of the of the driver lineup. But it's just got great potential, isn't it? You know, both both of them both of them seem to be delivering. And yeah, should Lando Norris go to Red Bull? I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't heard that that line where it came from about he's already got an offer. But if you're Red Bull, 
you got to be thinking. Well, I, I think I, my interpretation of what's going on with Sergio Perez at the moment is that he knows that that's it. His time's up. It, it will definitely be up after 2024. Red Bull has history of getting drivers early before their, before their contracts are up because they can, they can just choose to pay off the contract if they want. Contracts are only worth the paper really aren't they you know obviously if, if one side wants out and we're willing to pay for it then then it all goes then it all goes apart if Lando Norris had an offer for 2024 I would definitely go to Red Bull that is absolutely the smartest decision but I don't I don't think that's what's going to happen 2025 however oh then he's got you know if McLaren's challenging for race wins by then then he's got a really hard decision to make should this occur the other the, the, the sort of complicating factor is that we don't know how good McLaren's going to be. It's only just opened its wind tunnel, its new wind tunnel, which actually is a refurbishment of its old wind tunnel. Uh, so, um, so, so, yeah. So, so it, that, that that you know that basically what I'm saying is that facility might not be what McLaren wants it to be. I'm sure. I'm sure they're they're, they're confident that it will be, uh, and they've got you're going to make sort of savings by not having to rent the Toyota tunnel that they were using by not having to to you know to to waste time and resources doing all that work. So. Yeah, basically, McLaren might be even better than Red Bull in 2025 and on into 2026, especially with that big uh, reset coming. So it's, you know, it's by no means a guarantee that even by leaving McLaren, Norris will have made the, the best decision, unless it is stunningly short term. Helmut Marco is 80 now. Has he got one massive shake up left in him before, before you know, things change? Maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is what, he's, what he's all going for. It certainly would make the Red Bull lineup easily the best on the grid. First of all, everybody knows that it's Max Verstappen's team and everybody knows that given the kind of demolition of Sergio Perez over the season, you know, we were holding him up as a, oh, could he actually challenge Max Verstappen for the title this season? Only for it to implode in a gargantuan manner to the point where he's not even making Q3 anymore in the best car on the grid. A lot of drivers will see that and go, okay, so it's clearly very difficult to go into Max's team. But I think Norris has the self-belief to think if he goes into Red Bull he could theoretically beat Verstappen Um, it just depends on whether that's the smart move whether the upward trajectory is with McLaren and whether it can continue upon its rate of progress Uh, I guess you know if you look at the 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 rate of progress on a graph you know it's it's suggests it would be a championship contender in a couple of years it doesn't quite work like that of course and uh, teams plateau out but you have to look at how McLaren is developing, how it's re-energized, how it sort of seems to be continuing its rebirth after you know, you know, seven or eight years ago where it was absolutely nowhere. You have to kind of look at that and go, can it can it win a title or is it just going to keep falling short? Uh, and ultimately, Norris is going to have to do the best for himself. Um, it's kind of a nice problem for McLaren to have because they know that should Norris leave then Piastri is going to lead that team and will do so very capably and brilliantly Um, if Norris stays then they've got one of the best driver pairings on the grid Um, they won't want to let Norris go and I think it would be important for them to to do their absolute best to keep him but I think there are options out there Um, and it's not just Red Bull either you know you'll have Aston Martin knocking on the door as they try and continue their growth as a team could Lando Norris be an option for for, for, for Ferrari in the future there's, there's plenty of plenty of options available he has no shortage of suitors and ultimately he can he he is of a talent level enough to do what is the best for him rather than just have to take a seat that's available 
Well, us fans want to see great battles intra-team. I think that's more exciting than the Red Bull way, which has typically been number one driver, number two driver. Uh, we love these battles when we see them. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo certainly thought, well, I can't be number one with Max in the team, so I can go, you know, I'm going to be Hulkenberg in a, in, a, in a Renault in 2019. And so hopefully Lando decides to stick around and, and see where that battle goes. Last few seconds, Alex, I'll ask you both this question. Minimum that McLaren drivers have to achieve in 2024. Race victories. I think they'll probably be ideally targeting that before the end of 2023. Should Red Bull drop the ball? I think from what I was what I now understand about chat, having chatting to people in Qatar about the Las Vegas race, I mean it's going to be last driver standing if if there's uh, you know they can't get the tires warmed up in four degree temperature. It's going to be colder than some of the preseason tests. You know, think back to when Barcelona had snow on the track there, Ferrari there, Monza special is going to be working well around there. So they could, you know, they could be an opportunity is what I'm saying for one more win. We saw it all go a bit weird in Brazil last year for Red Bull. Don't step off the gas McLaren, not that they ever would, uh, up to the end of the season. And then into 2024, you've got to look at steps further. It's got to be targeting race victories if they can close down Red Bull. And, and don't forget, you know, it was always next year's car that Red Bull were worried about in terms of development when it came to their cost cap penalty from 2021, which is still in effect. Uh, or uh, it's, oh, it's roundabout now, sorry, isn't it, that it that it finally goes back to normal. So uh, yeah, it, there, there should be a chance for McLaren. I think everybody in Formula One wants to see a multi-team uh, scrap. And, you know, should, should it come to pass that they do the do what do the necessary on the car design front. They've got two brilliant drivers as we as we've discussed uh, uh, potentially winning races for them, and that's when it gets even more interesting about how closely matched they are because they have already hit each other. We haven't talked about Monza. There's an error there that the team should have managed better. You know, it was a bit silly from Piastri and probably is, you know, the, 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 the negative moment on his season. But but yeah, they 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 got on top of it very quickly. Andrea Stella was 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 very forthright in saying this just shouldn't happen. So so yeah, you know, firm for McLaren. They've got to be in there and uh, handling those drivers. Should they should they also it's, it's a lot on the team is what I'm getting at. But equally, I'm just, mm. you know, I'm just excited and hopeful that maybe something brilliant could happen with McLaren and its drivers next year. JBL? Minimum targets, three race wins each, 1.79 second pit stop, fragrance deals for both drivers. I don't know, some kind of pole trophy at the end of it. What's that? What's that? Is there a trophy for pole or is that the overtake trophy? I can't remember. Piastri still hasn't had a 10 on the Autosport driver ratings, uh, as Alex may well know. So I don't um, get like those 10s out for free. <laughs> he's, he's, more li- he's more likely to get them next year because the system's changing. So oh, okay. Well, Lando's had his tens this year. So uh, so maybe that'll be Piastri's big, long career goal. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Fascinating chat about uh, what is Max Verstappen described uh, as the current best driver lineup on the Formula One grid. Or driver pairing, I should say. Very interesting. Well, thanks for listening. You can leave your comments. Uh, email us if you want to, a podcast at autosport.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, join us as we get ready to uh, head to the final few races of the Formula One season this year. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.